0: Um, good morning everybody. Glad you guys are here. I am uh, mindful of this morning our friends in California. Uh Pastor Rob McCoy at Calvary Chapel God Speak and their congregation uh have determined uh, since May that they have been meeting and gathering together. They have done a lot of research on their own. I watched uh, just some a discussion that he had yesterday just really really so respectful want to be respectful of what is happening. Uh, I won't try to put words in his mouth. Let me just say that uh, today they are, uh, uh, over a thousand of their people are going to be cited because they're going to worship together today. And and, uh, these are difficult issues to navigate and difficult for the pastors in California who are trying to figure out, uh, uh, you know, should they meet or should they not meet and what kind of way should they do that. And so, uh, in an effort to try to support them today, let's just uh, pray for them. And God, we just pray today. I uh, Give you thanks for um, you, the the leadership, God. Those who are who are trying to determine how to best navigate through these difficult days of uh, you, you know should we meet, should we not? How should we meet? What's the right way to do it? What's the role of government in all of this? And and so, God, I just pray for wisdom for those individuals who are leading. And I. I guess I, God, I just pray that, um, that today, as people gather together, there would be the right kind of spirit and attitude and heart that says we want to come together and worship together. And uh, God, I pray and we unite with them as well uh, in an effort to, to say that uh, we do not want to forsake meeting together. And so we just pray for them today uh, in their effort to do that. And uh, for all of those also who are trying to navigate these difficult issues. God, we pray for our leadership in our country. Pray, God, for uh, wisdom and direction and discernment. And uh, through all the uh, the stats, the science, the disagreements, God, that you would give them wisdom as they lead. And God, we pray that we would be faithful to you. And we just pray that in the name of Jesus, our Savior. Amen. Uh, this week I was watching an old television show on Instagram on M-E-TV, MeTV. Anybody watch old MeTV, you know? No? (laughs) Some of you guys are like, well, this was a show called uh, Gomer Pyle USMC. Anybody remember that show? Thank you very much. All right, I'm not that old. And uh, so uh, Gomer would always get into trouble. He was a little bit incompetent and uh, very, very innocent, and Sergeant Carter would always yell at him, okay? And uh, his sergeant realized the incompetency of Private Pyle, but Private Pyle would usually come out on top anyway. And one day, Private Pyle was uh, down at the local pool hall, and he saw a guy there named Friendly Freddy. And Friendly Freddy sold Gomer Pyle a watch for $12.95, a gold watch. Sergeant Carter said, there's no way that that's authentic. It's got to be a fake. You can't pay $12.95 for a watch. Well, that was true, and it was fake, but Sergeant Carter got pulled in as well because he had a girlfriend named Bunny, and they were going to go out on a date, and so he bought her a fur, and she was so excited. He paid $49.95 for it, and as she started to shake it out, it started to molt. She became very angry at him for this counterfeit fur that he had bought her, and so Gomer Pyle wanted to make up the, uh, the difference there, and he went down to Friendly Freddy, and he said, I can't believe you took advantage of us. Give us our money back. Friendly Freddy gave him a $50 bill. That was great. Sergeant Carter was so excited. They went down to the local restaurant. He took his girlfriend, Bunny, out to this wonderful dinner. It was amazing, and they had such a good time, and it was all great all the way up until the bill came, and he was like, I just got a 50. That's all I've got. He said, that's the lowest bill I've got, and he gives him a $50 bill, and you could just know what happens next as the waiter comes back and he says what? It's counterfeit. And now he's very upset with Gomer Pyle again. And uh, you know those old shows are so funny and wholesome but in the end they also teach some lessons. And here's what I want you to know today as we start a new series in the book of Galatians. That counterfeits are out there. And that's even true when it comes to Christianity. There is a counterfeit version of Christianity, and there are friendly Freddies who sometimes promote it. Hold that right there for now because I want you to know the rest of the summer that we're going to be teaching in the book of Galatians. And so uh, we like to do expositional teaching sometimes where all we do, we just walk through a book of the Bible, right? And we're not going to do it verse by verse. We're going to do kind of a high level chapter by chapter over the next few weeks until we get into September. And we're going to be looking at the book of Galatians. So my job today is to give you a little background on the letter, kind of tell you a little bit about what happened and then talk about the true gospel. What is it that Paul is really talking about here? This is a letter written by Paul who wrote it to a group of people in a place called uh, Galatia. We believe this is kind of the modern version of South Central Central Turkey and and he wrote to different cities and different churches and he visited these churches on what was called Paul's first missionary journey. And, and so after he was converted to Christ, he went and traveled and began to start churches in this area in Derby, Lystra, I- Iconium, and Poseidon, Antioch. Now these stories are told in Acts chapter 13 and 14. And so if you're interested in background, you can go there in the book of Acts and you can learn about his missionary journeys through these areas. So why did he write the letter? Evidently, some Jewish Christians had come after Paul. They were saying, well, he's not really a true apostle. And they were saying that the true gospel is not Jesus alone. It's Jesus plus Judaism. And so what they were saying was, yeah, you could be a Christian, but you have to be circumcised. You can be a Christian, but you have to follow Jewish food laws. You can be a Christian, but you have to honor the Sabbath day. And so Paul writes this letter. And it's probably the first letter that Paul ever wrote, written somewhere around 48 or 49 A.D., And he writes this letter to make sure that they understand what the true gospel is all about. Now that leads to Acts chapter 15, which is part of the background of this story, where there was a council in Jerusalem discussing this very topic. Is it Jesus only, or is it Jesus plus Judaism? And this is what it says in Acts 15, verse 1. Certain people came down from Judea to Antioch, and I just described where that was. And they were teaching the believers, unless you are circumcised according to the custom taught by Moses, you cannot be saved. That brought Paul and Barnabas into sharp dispute and debate with them. So Paul and Barnabas were appointed, along with some other believers, to go to Jerusalem to see the apostles and elders about this question. That led to the Jerusalem Council. In verse 10, Peter stands up and says, Then why do you try to test God by putting on the necks of Gentiles, those who are not Jews, A yoke that neither we nor our ancestors have been able to bear. In other words, even our ancestors couldn't follow the Jewish law. Why are you guys trying to put that on them? No, we believe it is through the grace of our Lord Jesus that we are saved just as they are. And so after more discussion, they all agreed with Peter, and they wrote a letter to be sent to all the churches, making sure they were settling this issue that the gospel of Christ is just Christ alone, Christ alone. So Paul writes this passionate letter, the letter to the churches in Galatia, and he says, I want you to know Jesus is the only way. Now that's important today, gang. And here's why it's important. I know we are a bit historical. Some of you guys are already like, checking out. But anyway, so some of the rest of you are like, all right, this is my thing. But here's the deal. What we're learning is we are becoming more and more biblically illiterate. We just don't understand the word of God. And so Jesus says, I am the way, and culture says, there are a lot of ways to God. It really doesn't matter what you believe. Believe whatever you want. Jesus said, I'm the truth. Culture says, you need to find your truth, my truth. Jesus said, I'm the life. Culture says, live for yourself. That's why this is so important. As we walk through this over the next few weeks, the book of Galatians can really be read in about 30 minutes or less. But to digest what's in there, it's going to take us a little while because the words in there are are deep at times. They're challenging at times. And Paul, right from the beginning, says, I want to tell you about what's called the gospel. Now, the, the word gospel literally means good news. It just means, here's the good news. Jesus Christ came. He died for you. He gave his life for you. That's good news. And that you can be saved and you can have eternity in heaven with him. And so we're going to talk first about the true gospel. Now, Paul starts by writing the letter, and uh, it's good because he starts the letter with from who it's from, who it's to, and what it's about. How many of you, you still write letters? Anybody still write letters? Probably not. Everybody's like, no, we just text. And in that case, it's all just, you know, little, little abbreviations these days, you know, see you soon, or whatever. You know, we don't really write letters anymore. But when we did write letters, it went something like this. To whom it may concern... So now you're writing the letter to someone. And you might want right from the beginning to say who the le- what the letter's about. I'm writing to inquire about the job you posted on the Internet. Or you might say, to my bestie, I wanted to tell you about my recent trip to Cancun. Oh, that's good. yeah, you know what the letter's going to be about. Or how about this? Dear Mr. President, I'm writing to request a pardon. This may apply to some of you at some point. I don't know. Dear mom and dad, please send money. I'm so glad, but it ain't funny. Oh, that's a country song. But anyway, so when you write a letter, you're writing who it's to. At the end, you're going to say who it's from. And at the very beginning, you're going to say, this is what my letter is about. And that's what Paul does. So look at Galatians chapter 1, verse 1. It says, Paul, an apostle, that's who it's from, sent not from men men nor by a man, but by Jesus Christ and God the Father who raised him from the dead and all the brothers and sisters with me to the church in Galatia. So now he's going to tell you who this is written to, to the churches in Galatia. Now listen to here's the message. Grace and peace to you from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. Verse 4, here's the key. Who gave himself for our sins to rescue us from the present evil age, according to the will of our God and Father, to whom be glory forever and ever. Amen. That's the intro to the letter. And all he's saying is, I want to tell you who it's from, who it's to, and what it's about. What is it about? It's about Jesus Christ, and he came and gave his life. That is the true gospel. Paul, an apostle, defending who who he is, by the way, right at the very beginning. Paul, an apostle of Jesus. Why did he have to do that? Because there were some Jerusalem Jewish Christians who were saying Paul wasn't one of the twelve. He's not an apostle. He doesn't have authority. And Paul, right from the beginning, is saying, look, I wasn't sent by man. I was sent by Jesus Christ himself. Acts chapter 9 tells you about that, if you ever want to read that. It's called Paul's Conversion, where he was persecuting Christians, and that's what he thought was the right thing to do. And Jesus Christ came into his world, radically changed him. He began to follow Christ, Acts chapter 9. And then we learn later in that chapter, Acts chapter 9, that he spent a lot of time with Jesus. He spent some time with them learning and understanding and trying to learn the message about what Christ wanted him to teach. And this is important because, really, we are a church that follows the apostles' teaching. And Paul is saying, I'm one of those. I'm an apostle. He was not one of the twelve, but he was led by Christ. You see, why why is that important? Because we want to hear the message from somebody who knows the story, right? If you want to know about my dad, Don Sams, who's since gone to be with the Lord, would you rather hear it from somebody who wrote an article about him 40 years ago, or would you rather hear about it from my mother, who you can sit down today and have lunch with? Which would be better? She'd be able to tell you, here's what he did. Here's what he was like. Here's the stories that happened. And you would know that it's authentic. So when an apostle of Christ says, hey, I'm one of the apostles— This comes with authority, and we devote ourselves to the apostles' teaching. So Paul's establishing credibility. And then he goes on to tell us what the gospel is the good news that it is Christ coming to give himself up for us. Now, the best description of what's called the gospel is what's found in 1 Corinthians 15, verse 3 through 5. Listen to these words. Paul says, For what I received, I passed on to you as of first importance. Christ died for our sins according to the scripture. He was buried. He was raised on the third day, according to the scripture. And he appeared to Cephas and then the twelve. Paul says, You want to know what the good news is? There may be a lot of other messages out there. There may be a lot of other ways that people say you can get to heaven. But this is what Christ has said. This is what he did for us. The gospel is he gave himself up for us. Jesus was not a martyr, he was not just a good man. Theologians call this the substitutionary atonement. That He died in your place. He was your substitute. He atoned for your sin. The Bible says we're all sinners. We've all blown it, right? Can we all agree on that? Amen. Anybody in here perfect? No? Okay, not this service. Next service, will probably be a couple, but not this service. So nobody's perfect. The Bible says no one's righteous, not even one of us. Our righteousness, our, even on our best day, the Bible says, it's like filthy rags <laughs> compared to God's holiness, right? I mean, even on our best day. And so because of that sin that we have, the Bible says there's a penalty that we owe, and that's the death penalty, Romans six twenty three: the wages of sin is death. That's the penalty that we owe. And so the gospel message is Christ came. He gave himself up for our sins. Now, there is nothing you can do to earn that gift. You can't work for it. You can't be good enough. It is God's gift to you. And then verse 4 says that Jesus died to rescue us from the present evil age. And man, we need some rescuing from the evil age today. But the gospel is a rescue mission. Luke 19.10 says, For the Son of Man came to seek and to save that which was lost. It was a rescue mission. He came to save us. Any of you ever been rescued before? When I was uh, four years old, my grandparents put a pool behind their house. And it was 1974. And... And so I was out with my cousin Kathy. She was only three or four years older than I was, but I was walking by the pool, and I fell into the pool. This was in the fall after the first season of the pool, and, and I'm not able to swim at four years old. My cousin Kathy, seven or eight years old, ran over to the fence. She grabbed the net off the fence, thinking quickly, handed it down to me to allow me to be rescued, and I grabbed that net, and she pulled me out. We, we literally think she... Saved my life. Now, anybody in here ever been rescued before? What would happen if you chose not to receive that rescue? You guys seen this recent Mio water commercial? Check this out. It's about 30 seconds. Water? Water tastes like, well, water. So we fixed it. Mio. You guys are all going to go right out now. (laughs) Subliminal messaging, you know, we must have Mio water. But, uh, But what happens? Here comes the helicopter. I've saved you. Here comes the net. I've rescued you. Nah, I don't want it. The gospel is, I have sent the rescue mission to you, and now you can receive it, or you can reject it. It says that Christ rescued us, and it also says that he died according to the will of God our Father. It was because God's love that he rescued you. For God so loved the world that he gave his only Son. He raised him from the dead. That the resurrection is the key thing. If Jesus just died, it wouldn't have proven anything. But when a man says, I'm God in the flesh, and he says, I will die according to the prophecies that have been told in the Scriptures, And I'm going to die for your sins, and then I'm going to raise from the dead. If he never raises from the dead, it's like, as Paul said later, it's all in vain. But when he resurrected from the dead, it changed everything. It meant death had been defeated. It meant that now we had our payment for sin had been made. That, friends, is the true gospel. Number two, it's the only gospel. It's the only gospel. Verse 6 says, I am astonished, this is now his letter, I am astonished that you are so quickly deserting the one who called you to live in the grace of Christ and are turning to a different gospel, which is really no gospel at all. Evidently, some people are throwing you into confusion and are trying to pervert the gospel of Christ. But even if we or an angel from heaven should preach a gospel other than the one we preach to you, let him be under God's curse. As we have already said, so now I say again, if anybody is preaching you a gospel other than what you accepted, let them be under God's curse. And now I'm trying to win the approval, not of humans or of of God, or am I trying to please people? If I were still trying to please people, I would not be a servant of Christ. In other words, he's saying there is one gospel, one message, no matter what other people are trying to do to pervert it, there's one message. What were they doing? It was They were adding to the gospel. If you don't follow the Jewish laws, then you can't be a Christian. And by the way, this still happens today. You can't be a Christian unless it's Jesus plus religion. If you do all the religious things, some of you grew up in a religious tradition where if you did these certain things, then God would somehow be pleased with you. If you don't do the right religious practices, then God won't save you. It was Jesus plus religion. Some of you, it was Jesus plus good works. If you just do all the right things, you'll be good to go. If you're good enough, you can take a little bit of Jesus and a lot of good living, and that's going to save you. There's a lot of things like this, friends. Jesus plus dress the right way. Jesus plus do some spiritual practices. Jesus plus speak in tongues. Jesus plus don't speak in tongues. Jesus plus be a Republican. Jesus plus be a Democrat. Jesus plus love the the Steelers. It's not possible, friends. It's not possible. I'm sorry. It's not possible. No, I'm I'm just kidding. It is possible. Jesus plus. And Paul says, look, this throws people into confusion. Anytime you're like, hey, do this. And some of you grew up this way. If you didn't dress the right way, do the right thing, say the right thing, act the right way, then it was Jesus plus, and because of that, people in the church rejected you. That's why we tell people, it's come as you are, come as you are. However you are, whatever you have, whatever kind of baggage you have in your life, Jesus Christ takes you right where you are. He accepts you where you are. It's not Jesus plus anything. And Paul says, don't throw people into confusion. Later, he writes in Romans chapter one, I'm not ashamed of the gospel because it is the power of God that brings salvation to everyone who believes, everyone, Jews or Gentiles, Republicans or Democrats, those who believe, follow Steelers, those who love the Bengals, those who hate football. It's Jesus only, friends, Jesus only. There are those who want to add to the gospel and there are those who want to dilute the gospel several years ago i was in a minister's uh, meeting with a lot of churches not in this city but in a different city we were all there talking about different things and one of the churches was more uh, kind of had a, more of a liberal theology and and in the middle of our meal with a lot of different pastors from a lot of different traditions he says something to the effect of hey guys we all can acknowledge that the miracles in the bible aren't true I mean, like, he's just going to throw that out there, like, in the middle of, like, our pancakes or whatever. Hey, we can all admit the miracles in the Bible aren't true. And I was like, "Mm," you know, well, I can't admit that, you know, because I kind of believe in the God of the Bible, you know, who actually does miracles. So there are those who would want to dilute the gospel. In other words, hey, just maybe it doesn't, maybe we don't believe in the miracles or maybe we think Adam and Eve was a myth or maybe we think that Jesus didn't actually feed 5,000, that maybe everybody just gave up their lunch, and there wasn't really a miracle there at all. Maybe Jesus Christ never even resurrected from the dead, deluding the gospel. There are those also who attempt to distort the gospel. When When a friendly Freddy, when a pastor preaches that God wants to bless you with health and wealth and just give you whatever you want whenever you want it, that's a false teaching, and it is spreading like wildfire in Africa and other parts of the world, and even here in America, and how crazy it is that someone might be sitting under a tree and just saying, if God is true, he will bless me with a BMW. To the Jesus who said, in this world you will have trouble. To the Jesus who said, even the Son of Man had no place to lay his head. Hmm. Paul's charge to Timothy was, Preach the word. And by the way, these are some of the words my mom read to me when I was ordained. She read from First and Second Timothy. And here's some of the words she read to me. Same words Paul wrote to Timothy, a young preacher. Preach the word. Be prepared in season and out of season. Correct, rebuke, and encourage with great patience and careful instruction. For the time will come when people will not put up with sound doctrine. Instead, to suit their own desires, they will gather around them a great number of teachers to say what their itching ears want to hear. They will turn their ears away from the truth and turn aside to myths. But you keep your head in all situations. Endure hardship. Do the work of an evangelist. Discharge all the duties of your ministry. It's not Jesus plus. You don't have to add anything. There are those who might dilute the gospel, might distort the gospel, might add to the gospel, but it is Jesus and Jesus alone. Kenneth Blanchard, the great leadership guru, uh, one time talked about his conversion that I believe Bob Buford was involved with, and he said, "Ken, on a scale from one to one hundred, one hundred being God's goodness, where do you think you are?" Ken's like, "I don't, I don't know where I am." And he said, "All right, let me give you some help. Let's say that." Uh, I don't know, uh, Mother Teresa, she's a pretty good gal, she's probably, she's probably like a 90, I don't know, and and he goes, well, and maybe Billy Graham, I don't know, maybe he's a 90, 89, 91, I don't know, he's a pretty good guy, and uh, I don't know, and then he throws out some people who are really terrible, he's like, what about Hitler, boy, he's not even on that list, he's like the one, you know, he's the example of one, and not a hundred at all, and, and Ken goes, I don't know, I mean, given all that, I'm probably like a 65, maybe a 70, and he goes, his friend goes, well, here's the thing about Jesus. None of us is 100, only God. None of us is good enough to deserve to go to heaven and to live with God. Only one person, God himself, who came and lived among us, he's the only 100. And Jesus Christ came to exchange your 65 for his 100. hundred. Second Corinthians 5.21 says it this way, God made him who had no sin, to be sin for us so that we might become the righteousness of God. You're imperfect. You don't have it all together. And he exchanges our score for Christ's score. It is only Jesus, Jesus alone. That is the true gospel. There is only one gospel. There is only one way to heaven. The true gospel, the only gospel, and the divine gospel. Paul wants us to know also that this gospel did not come from humans, it came from God himself. Verse 11 says, I want you to know, brothers and sisters, that the gospel I preach is not of human origin. I did not receive it uh, from any man, nor was I taught it. Rather, I received it by revelation from Jesus Christ to show that he did not receive this from man, but from Christ. And Paul goes on to say, look, I was the worst of the worst, guys. I mean, I persecuted Christians. I thought that was the right thing to do. I am trying to please God. I was working on my own. I followed all religious tenets. But it was all wrong. It was all wrong. But when I encountered Jesus and Jesus alone, and by the way, Acts chapter 9 tells you about his conversion. And soon after that, we learn that Paul spent an awful lot of time in isolation as he spent time in the Scriptures. He spent time with the Lord. The Bible even says he was caught up to the to the third heaven, that Jesus himself was tutoring Paul about what, was, what the message was all about, what he needed to be sharing with other people. And so Paul is sharing this, what the gospel is, and he's telling them this gospel doesn't come from any man-made source. It is from Jesus and Jesus alone. It is the divine gospel. And I know that it is very uncomfortable these days When anybody gets up and says, hey, there is one road and one road to anything, much less heaven. I mean, if I go out here and say, well, this is the one way you need to go. This is the one path you need to take. Everybody says, that's so exclusive. Unless the one who gave you the directions is the one who charted the path. Then it's not that exclusive at all. It's just simply the way, the truth, the life. It's the way he gave you, the rescue course, instead of seeing it as, oh, I can't believe that's so intolerant. Maybe we should see it as, goodness, that's so good that God gave us a way to get to heaven. One pastor said it was like uh, saying, let's all go to uh, Hawaii. Y'all want to go to Hawaii? Anybody want to go to Hawaii? I've never been to Hawaii, all right? But let's say we all take a trip. We fly out to, let's say, a beautiful shore in uh, California. We're all there standing there. And we're like, all right, we've got to get over to Hawaii, Hawaii, and we're going to get over to Hawaii, and how are we going to get there? And somebody goes, I got an idea. Let's just all swim. This will be fun, all right? Now, how many of you think that we're going to get there if we try to swim? Now, now I don't, I'm not I'm not a very good swimmer, and I'm, I don't know, 100 yards, a couple hundred yards. I'm not sure. Might be shark week. I might only make it 30 yards. I don't know. Some of you guys that are like professional swimmers, you might make it 10 miles, 50. I don't know. But nobody is going to get there on their own. And let's say there's a ship called the SS, SS Gospel, and it comes over and there's a big hornet. Uh, it's like, hey, we'll take it to Hawaii. How many of you are taking that ship? I am. I'm going to get on this ship. Why? Because that's the way that was provided to get there. And the owner of the ship, God Himself said, I'm going to make a way for you. There will be one way, one way only. This is your one way off the coast. And some of us still want to keep swimming. We want to keep working it. If we can follow this certain set of religious practices, if we could just be good enough, if we could just do the right things, somehow we're going to earn it on our own, and maybe we'll get there at some point, maybe we won't. And all the while, Jesus says, Look, I am the way, the truth, the life. I'm the one who gave my life for you. I'm the one who died for you. I'm the one who resurrected from the grave. There is no other way. This is it. So friends, don't buy the lie that all roads lead to heaven. They don't. Don't buy the the lie that you can be good enough on your own. You can't. Don't buy the lie that, oh, if you just pray enough or you're good enough or you say the right things or do the right things, there's only one way those who say, I believe in Jesus Christ, he died for me. I confess that belief to other people. I confess it to God, God, I'm not perfect. God, I've blown it. My righteousness is like filthy rags compared to you. And so, God, I I need your help. I repent of my sins. God, I'm sorry for the things I've done. I'm never going to be perfect. I'm never going to be righteous. That's why I need you. It's not me plus you. It's just you. It's you alone. I just want to get on the ship called grace. I want to get on this ship called the gospel. I just want to receive what you have for me, and I want to receive that, and I'm going to trust you, and I'm still going to blow it when I get on that ship, God, because I'm still not perfect, and I still got a long way to go. So, God, just would you just continue to receive me, and thank you so much for your grace? And, God, in, in a way to kind of memorialize that, I want to be baptized in you, too. I want to die to everything that I used to be, and I want to be new. I want, to, I want to have a marking moment in my life that says, I want to walk from this way to the other, and I want, I want to follow you. And then, why do you do the good things after that? Just because you're, you're on the ship. And when you're on the ship, and you're on the ship called the gospel, and you've received God's grace, how can you not help but to be a participant in the good stuff that God has for you? How can you not help but to join up on the team and say, man, I'm so thankful for God's grace that I want to do everything that I can Oh, and by the way, I'm not just going to help on this ship. If there's some other people trying to still swim their way around, I'm going to do everything I can to reach out and say, hey, you can join the ship too. Because this is the only way. It's the one way. And it's the only way, the truth, and the life. There is one gospel, the true gospel, and the next five weeks, we're going to be delving into the book of Galatians, and different ones, Josh is going to be teaching, Andrew's going to be teaching, I'm going to be teaching, and we're going to be teaching you through the book of Galatians, what it means to receive that gospel, and then also some other things about some other patterns that people have tried, like trying to follow the law, and you'll never be able to do it on your own. So I want to pray for those of you, especially those of you who have never received that gift of Christ. I want to encourage you to come talk to us about it. Come pray with us about it. Say, you know what? I, I want heaven. I've tried to do this on my own, and I'm not perfect. I want to receive Christ. We, we actually, we're going to have a baptism day coming up uh, here shortly. I think we're going down to the river, Little Miami uh, this time, I believe. And uh, so we're going to be having a baptism day together not long from now. You'll hear more about that. Uh, we want to talk to you about making that decision, jumping on the ship, saying yes to Christ. God, we thank you so much for your love for us. Thank you for the gospel of Christ. Thank you, God, that all of us, no matter how bad we are, how good we are, how many mistakes we've made. I like what Rob said earlier, that even in our darkest place, God, that you loved us still. You loved us even in that place. And so, God, that's hard for us to understand. Our love is conditional. Your love is perfect. Our love is temporary. Your love is eternal. So, God, it's hard for us to even understand and fathom what it means to have an eternal agape, everlasting, unconditional love, but you do. So God, we're thankful for that. Thank you for the gospel message, the good news that Jesus Christ came, died, resurrected, and now gives us the opportunity to be rescued as well. We praise this.